do hold a lot of weight. So uh, just make sure you go out of your way. Give them cards. Send Doug flowers. <laughs> a bouquet of knives or something. <laughs> right? So um, let's all stand and let me, let me pray for us. So repeat after me, Father God, thank you for this time, help Greg, because he really needs it, and bless Teresa as she brings the word also, because she's awesome, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, are you guys ready? I'm not. <laughs> I got my PowerPoint right here, but we're not going to have a PowerPoint up here. We're just going to keep that pretty. Uh, what's that color? It's what? Yeah, it's a tent, but what color? Lime green. Lime green. All right, I love it. So today we're going to talk about get used to different. Not that God has ever been different because He's always the same, right? He never changes. He's complete in every way. But are we? No, we're not. So I wanted to uh, get you guys activated a little bit. Now be, uh, well, you know, actually, did, did you guys hear the, the news where the, the guy, he got, he got his left side cut off, but he was all right? All right. All right. That, that one was for free. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get kind of serious. Do you know that God is fun? He, he loves to have fun with his children. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when, when Shepard, my grandson, comes over or, or Kaya comes over, they, they attack me, and we just have fun. I'll get down on the ground with them, and, you know, as grandparents do with their wonderful knees and back, and they, they jump on top, and they, you give them horsey rides and throw them up in the air, and sometimes they stick. But... Uh, but I imagine my father, my heavenly father like that. He just loves being with his people. He loves being with his people. So I want you guys, I'm going to say this word, and every time I say this word, I want you to repeat, get used to different, all right? So can you guys do that? And the word is, bam. Okay, I didn't see any t-shirts fly. All right, throw the t-shirts. Bam. All right, so somebody pick up those t-shirts. If it's not your size, give it away to somebody else that is your size. There's three t-shirts. Was there three that went? Okay, all right, so you too, no, sorry, I saw yours up there, so I gave it away. <laughs> so you too can wear this wonderful shirt of get used to different. So bam, get used to different. 
Oh, you guys are awesome. Bam! Bam? All right. I like it. So, do you think God's done with us yet? Not at all. Do you think that He has a lot in store for His children? All right. Bam. And so, that's like, I like this. <laughs> so, so in the kingdom of God, bam. Right. So when you, when, when, so what I want to do is I want to take us through the past, the here and now, and the future. I think this is a very prophetic message. I just feel the prophetic juices turning inside of me. And, um, and so, after watching uh, the first series of Chosen, get used to different. I'm going like, I'm thinking about all of the things that God did through His people that wasn't the norm. As a matter of fact, was there anything normal that God did through the whole New Te- or Old Testament and the New Testament? Like, I think I'm going to make a donkey talk. Bam! Right. So I'm, th- okay, so who knows the story of Ezekiel 37? Ezekiel 37, dry bones, valley of dry bones. You know it enough to share what? Come on, I need somebody to, bam. All right, really, really short. I I think I get the gist of it. All right. (laughs) Okay, um, so the the valley of bones is like uh, Jesus gives this guy a vision, and he goes down, and he sees a bunch of dry, really dry, cracky bones, and there's, like, a bunch of them, uh-huh. and he's like, can these, can these bones breathe? And the dude's like, no, like, they can't. There's nothing, and he's like, this is the people of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to gather all the meat and stuff like that, and then he did, right? He brought them to, like, look like humans, and he's like, can they, can they live now? And he's like, well, not, not without the breath of you. Like, mm-hmm. you need to breathe life into them. Right. Well, that, that's very close. Oh, sorry then. No, 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 you're, you're good though. That was good. Good job. So, when Ezekiel got the word of the Lord, and Ezekiel's going like, no way. Those can't live, right? But, yes, he was instructed to prophesy. And then what happened? They came to life. All of the things started to grow on these dry bones. It's like, could you imagine being there? Just, just being a, a, like high up on the mountain and watching these, these valley of dry bones. And then you're not hearing the conversation between the Lord and, and Ezekiel. But you're just watching it. And you're going... That's freaky. There's nothing normal about that. I mean, that's actually opposite of what really happens. Bam. Yes, you guys are awesome. 
And then what about Moses? Who knows the, mo- the, the story when Moses had to provide water for the tribes or the, when they were in the wilderness? What did he do? He struck the rock. I think he did it two times. One time he was like, kept them from the promised land, something like that. We'll talk to the the teacher guy later. (laughs) But anyways, here you have this rock. I don't know what size rock it was. Was it that size? I, I think it was a big rock, right? And so he was instructed to hit the rock so that everybody could have water. So who's ever heard of water coming out of a rock? I mean, of course, underground streams and all that kind of stuff, but like in the middle of the desert, right? Bam. All right, you guys are dying a little bit. Bam. All right. How about, is there any 12-year-olds in here? 13. All right, come on up. I know that you're a girl, but I won't hold it against you. (laughs) I love this lady. (laughs) So could you imagine in the temple courts being 13, being, and and then you're, you're commanding the respect of all of the teachers. You're just like laying down. This is a scripture. This is what it says. And love and love and love and love and all this kind of stuff. And, you, and everybody's like, whoa, you, you're pretty smart. <laughs> but the way that God works is bam. You can go sit down. <laughs> yeah, good job. Another, another example is in John 4, uh, 11 through uh, 26. You guys, please be good Bereans and go home and double-check what I'm saying. If what I'm saying is not good or true, just throw it out and do your own study and find out truth. But if what I'm saying is good and true, grab a hold of it, Right? God is exciting. Everything that he does is exciting. Everything that he creates is exciting. And this all leads to what we've been talking about from the last few weeks, which is freedom. We are going to continue the series of freedom. How do you get free? Are you free? Are there things that are holding you down that keep you from being free. I have to say that I'm for the most part free. I don't get too embarrassed. I don't get nervous. I don't get, I just laugh. I smile a lot. But there's a few things that God can still take control of. And I want, him, I, I want him to have all of me. Why am I using this? Why? It, why didn't you tell me? Get used to different. Bam! Yeah, you guys can say back that back to me. I'm going like, 
I, I guess I'm used to a mic, like something big. Well, see, I didn't get embarrassed because I'm free. <laughs> no. So, so Jesus is, is uh, taking his disciples, and they're thinking they're going somewhere, but Jesus is saying, uh-uh, we're going somewhere else. We're going to Samaria. Well, he wanted to meet this lady at the well, the woman at the well. Who knows the story of the woman at the well? Do you want to share that? No? Oh, that's what, so when I ask people to share, I have this thing in my hand, and I'm going, like, yeah. Who wants to share about the woman in the well? Oh, it is. Thank you. Hola. Hello. Yeah, the light's on. Light's on, but no. Let me see. Hello. Let me have it. Yep, light's on. Hello. Hello. Hola. Um, the woman in the... Whoa. Jesus was traveling with his disciples and he got weary and he stopped in a Samaritan village and he sent his disciples into town to get food. And while he was sitting there, a woman came to get water. She came at an unusual time because she was sort of um, different. And all of the people of the town shunned her, as far as we know. And she became the first evangelist. She met Jesus, and she asked him a religious question. She said, your people say that we have to worship in Jerusalem. And he said, um, the, one, the time is coming, and now is, that you won't worship in Jerusalem. You will worship God where he tells you to worship. And so she says, I see you're a prophet. And he explains to her that he can give her living water and that she won't need to come to this well anymore to get drink. And she said, I want that. And he said, well, go call your husband and come back here. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, well, that's the truth. You've had five, and the man you're now living with isn't yours. And she said, whoa, ho, I really see you're a prophet. And so she went into town, and she told everybody, amazingly, there's this man that's told me everything about my life. And even though she was an outcast, they all listened to her. And they all ran out to meet Jesus. And his disciples came back and said, here's the food. And he said, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. And they're all wondering how that came to pass. And that's how the first evangelist in the New Testament came to be. Amen. Woo! Bam. All right, could you imagine? Okay, the, the disciples are following Jesus, and they're going like, hi, Stephen. Sorry, sorry, I just saw my son. I love my son. <laughs> so they're, they're thinking that, oh, no, 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 we, we, there's no way that we are even allowed to go to Samaria. And it was Jesus' intention all the time. 
because he wanted to break the norm. He wanted to, bam! He wanted to make things help us to think outside of our structure, right? Could you imagine if we just stayed in the structure? Imagination would be killed. Ingenuity would be killed. We wouldn't even invent things. We wouldn't better things because we just stick to the same old thing. So that's, read that in John 4, um, 11 through 16. That, uh, well, actually, it's, it's further than that. But, um, but the reason why, who, who, who remembers the reason why Jews were not allowed to go to Samaria? why they circumvented the whole city, province. Yes, because they were half-breeds. It was because they weren't full Jews. And so they were supposed to keep themselves separate. But Jesus says, no, because who I'm calling is everybody not just one group of people. So whoever heard of, well, we have, but life through death. I mean, how can you get life through death? Bam! Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense because everybody wants to kind of save their life. I mean, you're, you're meant to self-preserve yourself. I mean, like, I don't like pain. I mean, I was just re- rewiring. Well, no, not rewiring. I was wiring my new shop, and I realized that I, don't, I should never have a blade in my hand ever again because in one day I have, like, three cuts, just razor blade cuts and... and uh, why did I say that? I don't remember. But anyways, you want to preserve yourself. That is like old man nature. But in Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, 26, it talks about if you lose your life, you'll gain it. Bam. Bam. You know, it's when you, when you don't learn how to lose your life, meaning you're serving others, you are existing for other people. You're existing to serve the Lord. You're existing for the success of others, not yourself. You're serving others when it costs you. When you lose sight of that, guess what creeps in? Guess what's there? Worry, lack of faith, no joy, anxiety, all of those words. But it it blows my mind that, so if I serve somebody, I'm going to discover joy. If I serve somebody, if I serve the Lord, I'm actually going to get free from things that bind me. 
Does that mean that if my money is not my own, but it's the Lord's, that I don't ever have to worry about money again the rest of my life? Does that mean that my vehicle is not mine, but in service to the Lord? So if somebody, don't ask me, if somebody wants to borrow my truck, <laughs> bam, <laughs> get used to different. <laughs> I love it. So, but do you see that? So if I, if I were to borrow, loan my truck out, <laughs> I have. I've loaned my truck out. Uh, I don't have to worry about if it's going to come out trashed because learning to be selfless means that you are serving in every way. What happens if I got my truck back wrecked? Bam! <laughs> Get used to different. <laughs> but... I mean, there, there'd be some conversation happening. However, <laughs> there wouldn't be this, uh, just a, a real recent story. My, uh, most of you guys know that uh, my youngest son, Douglas, is in prison. He was doing amazingly well. He was in minimum security, and he called me probably four or five days ago. And he was, I know that he was expecting disappointment in my voice. He said, Dad, I messed up. I'm back in uh, uh, maximum security prison. I said, what happened? I love you so much. And he says, I got in a fight. And I said, Douglas, I love you. And I have zero judgment for you. I know that you're going to get it. I know that you're going to work your way back to um, minimum security. And then you're going to get out, and then you're going to prosper in life. Now, the other, other way I could have gone like, man, I'm disappointed in you. What do you think that would have done? Because he's already beating himself up, right? He already knew he messed up. Why would I want to heap more condemnation on him because I know that he's going to get it. I know that God's hand is on his life. I know that he is going to impact this world for Christ. And I'm going to keep breathing that. Like every single one of us, we want to keep breathing life. What are the words that are coming out of our, out of our mouth? Are they life or death? Do they encourage or discourage? Do they breathe goodness into somebody's life? So this is, this is what I, I've seen over the last, what the Lord has impressed upon me for this church. And the church at large. God is doing a new thing. Actually, God is not doing a new thing. He's trying to catch us up to his thing, right? He wants holiness over the church. 
He doesn't want us to rely on his grace. I can go out and sin, do whatever I want, and then say, I'm so sorry, Lord, and then go out and do it again. He wants holiness. Now, we can't, we're going to screw up, we're going to mess up, we're going to do things wrong, and yes, we're going to have to fall on the mercy seat of God and say, please forgive me, right? But he, even back 20, 25 years ago, I heard Dobson, uh, James Dobson, do you guys remember James Dobson? Where he said, whenever there's a Christian, this breaks my heart, whenever there's a Christian conference in a hotel, the purchase of pornography goes up. He's calling holiness over the church. And in that, there's freedom. There's amazing freedom. He wants holiness in how we live. He wants holiness in what we see. He wants holiness in what we touch. He wants holiness in our thoughts. Bam. It's happening. It's happening. Holiness is already sweeping over the Christian church because of what I just said when, from third, 25 years ago when I heard that thing that it didn't compute to me. Why in the world would Christians... I, I, I actually know because I was caught up in that garbage... But you fall on, you think that God's going to forgive you after you're done doing whatever you do that's wrong. And it is true, He will. It is true. But to never ever go there, that is amazingly free. After God saved me from my garbage, He freed me up to love this woman. He freed me up to serve this woman. He freed me up to go like, oh my word, you are beautiful. <laughs> I'm serious. He changes the way you think. He changes the way you see. Bam. <laughs> right. Teresa, I think it's your turn. Yeah. Okay, you had me, now bam. <laughs> All right. So why is there so much bondage in the world today? Am I not on? Oh, it fell off. Okay, put me back together. My ears are little, so they don't stay on there very good. <laughs> I might have to use a handheld. Okay. Hold on, my thing went off. So why is there so much bondage in the world today? We have bondage to fear. Fear of 
what people think, fear of dying, that list goes on, right? There's so many different kinds of fear in the world. There's bondage to alcohol, drugs, food, the past, porn, sexual immorality, confusion, failure, and the list goes on and on. Why is that? But the Bible is full of people that were free. Noah. I think I'm going to use the handheld. Okay, there we go. Now I can function, maybe. <laughs> okay, let's see where I was. So the Bible's full of free people that did mighty works for God. Let's talk about Noah for a minute. Think about what would have happened if Noah wouldn't have been free to obey God. The ark wouldn't have been built. Humanity wouldn't have been saved. We'd have no animals, right? Noah was free enough to know who he was in God, to obey God, and even though he knew there'd be people going, what in the world is he doing? He obeyed God anyway, because he knew who he was. How about Moses? How about Esther? Esther saved her people because she knew who she was. She wasn't afraid that the king could have brought judgment on her. She obeyed, and she did what she knew she needed to do. How about Mary, the mother of Jesus? What a mighty woman of God. Bam. Okay, I'm going to try to remember the bam. <laughs> so for myself, my freedom... From fear was the freedom of, well, here I am. <laughs> I used to practice every word that I would say before I said, and I don't care what it was or who I was talking to, you know, maybe not my husband, but yeah, even then sometimes. I was so afraid of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time or whatever, I just either didn't talk or I rehearsed it. But obviously God has set me free from that. God can set you free from whatever is your bondage. I'm evidence of that. Yeah, because I was a shy little girl, the shyest little girl. Bam. Right. My husband's still trying to get used to me being different, aren't you? <laughs> this morning? Did I see you this morning? <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so I found out this morning, this morning, right before the service started, that we were going before worship. <laughs> so I had to uh, do a little switch in my brain there. Yeah. God had to work on me all over again because I was going through all of that stuff yesterday, and my awesome friends started praying, and there was this major shift. And like peace came over me, and then that happened this morning, and I'm like, okay, God, put me on. <laughs> yeah. 
So the reason that there is so much bondage in the world is because the enemy, the enemy of your soul, knows that the people that are set free in Christ are the most dangerous for his kingdom. He don't want you set free. He wants you right where he has you, under his finger, on all those little areas in your life that you're not free from. It's time to kick him out. It's time for all of us. It is time for God's church to be free. Do you agree? Bam! Yes, God wants his church free. I believe that God is cleaning up his church. I see it. I don't know if you see it, but I do. I, he is coming since COVID started. He is cleaning up his church. <laughs> so Paul in 2 Corinthians... Uh, 10.5. We demolish arguments and... Is that right? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if you're struggling with your thought life, put it under the obedience of Christ. Dr. Carolyn Leaf says, As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we, consistent, as we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Basically, she's saying, science is proving free will in relationship between thoughts and reality. Romans 12.2 says... Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is God's pleasing, perf- good, and pleasing, perfect will in your life? Somebody, somebody, anybody? The fullness of Christ. To be like Jesus, I heard somebody say. That we live free, yes. We definitely want that one. So how does that happen? Is it like just a little magic, boom, you're free. Is it that simple? It could be. I mean, if God can do that, right? Because God can do anything. He's all-powerful. But normally that's not what happens, right? We have to go through the struggles, but how, how can we get past that? How can we get freedom? Exactly. Through prayer and the word. We shift our focus to our Savior, which shows us how he sees us. It teaches us to seek him, seek him and rely on him. So we need to be in the word and praying. Pray for yourself. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your kids. I'm a big prayer fan. <laughs> for Americans, that might mean slowing down for a minute because we have a very fast-paced life, right? If we have time to let our thoughts go crazy, we have time to pray. Otherwise, our thoughts, emotions, and feelings will continue to rule us. 
Psalms 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. Um, Romans 8, I think my thing, oh, there it is. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And then down in 6 through 9. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So if, but if we are consumed with him, we will be truly free. In all areas, you can be truly free in that, that thing. You know what that thing is in your life, right? True freedom is only found in life fully submitted and committed to God because it frees us from the destructive impact of the sinful nature. So, really quick. Really quick. (laughs) So, uh, it... We, we have to be committed. For those of us who have addictions, we have to be committed to the process. We have to be committed to what Jesus did on the cross that took away our sins. And actually, I, I love big words. Um, and I would like Max to define the word propitiation. How many have used the word propitiation in your vocabulary in the last 20 years? <laughs> A couple. Other than maybe uh, reading it in the New Testament, I don't think I've used it in forever. So it's just one of those words. It's like, show of hands, who knows what propitiation means? A few. Good. You Bible scholars, you. So I'm just going to give you the basic uh, definition of propitiation. From uh, Webster, the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone or something. Gaining or regaining the favor. An old covenant uh, vision of that would be uh, like the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. where the sprinkled blood of the atoning sacrifice was brought in and sprinkled upon the mercy seat by the priests. That would be the old covenant picture of propitiation, and it atoned for the sins of the people at that time. The new covenant, the atoning work of the cross of Jesus that paid the debt for sin and restored relationship between God and man. Restored relationship. Yes. So, I've I've done this analogy before, but could you imagine, if you would imagine, Jesus on the cross, and he says, it is finished. And he breathes his last breath. And then God the Father grabs a hold of that veil, that separated 
man in him, and he took it. I just imagine him going like this, like, and he starts ripping that veil. What was it, six inches thick? Six, six inches thick. And it ripped from top to bottom, exposing what only one person per year was allowed to go into, but now he ripped it to where everybody can go in. Bam. Yes. So we, we are going to, if, if the band would come up right now, we are going to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Bam. Now, you don't have to get used to different with preaching first and worship second. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't have that authority. However, if God is moving on your heart, when you, when you have come to this point where I'm going like, Father God, I'm sick of this. I need your help. Worship him with all you have and let him do a work in you. And then Teresa has one more thing. Yep, right now. Can you guys stand with me, please? I just wanted to uh, read this devotional over us as a declaration. You are free. I am the one who has set you free, free to walk in the higher places before my throne, free to live and dance within my spirit winds, free to laugh in the face of adversity. Everything that could hold you back now is broken off from your life. Be free, my child, be free. I had opened the door of freedom before you. Go forth into the glorious wonder of your future. The freedom I give you is to experience my presence and my power. You are no longer a servant master to your past, but a child of the exalted God. Taste the freedom of my spirit, and you will never turn back to that which is dead and barren. The lies that have held you down will be seen for what they are, merely the accusations of the enemy. Today, you will begin to understand the freedom I have given you to walk with omnipotent, omnipotence at your side, for I go with you even until the end of the ages. Galatians 5.1 The Anointed One has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Come on, my soul. Don't get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your